0: contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints in times of spiritual and moral chaos it can be hard to discern truth from error and to apply it to all of life god's word is not silent and we don't have to be either this is once for all delivered with caleb castro and andrew smith hey
1: there we are as this is the first time we are doing this, we ran into a slight bit of a technical difficulty, and that I could not get back to the right screen. But anyway, welcome everyone to the first ever Once For All Delivered live show. My name is Andrew Smith.
2: And my name's Caleb Castro.
1: And we are here tonight uh, with all of you. We thank you for joining us. We've got some interesting topics planned for you. Uh, We have one main topic, and then if we have time, we'll delve a little bit into another. So, uh, why are we doing this? Why are we doing a live show? Well, the simple answer is my wife, our producer, Heidi, is out of town, And we wanted to talk about some new and current and relevant stuff. And she wasn't going to be around to edit for us. So it's like, okay, we'll just do a live show then. We've been thinking about doing it anyway. But uh, this kind of forced us to like, okay, let's see if we can actually make this happen. So here we are to do a live show. So like I said, we've got a couple of topics that we want to talk about. Um, Before we do... Um, if you haven't followed us, watched us before, you can check us out at onceforalldelivered.com. That's our website. It's also our sub stack, so you can sign up with your email for updates. You can follow us on social media. Find out what we're up to. Find out what we're doing. And if this live show goes well, we might be doing more of these in the future. So anyway, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Heidi appreciates the break there. <laughs> Too the uh so she doesn't have to edit
1: our Outward uh word transitions they just have right, to like stay that. now
2: yeah and all of our our blabbers so uh yeah tonight we're gonna begin with a topic here on uh <clears throat> uh basically what occurred there in the grammys uh now a week from yesterday um uh, february 5th uh so Perhaps uh, some of you have, have watched it or, or heard about it and all the things going on. But just a little recap here. Uh, there's, a, there's a pop singer um, uh, named Sam Smith uh, who... no uh, Nation. So you say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Smith with a... It's spelled the normal human way, like S-M-I-T-H, not Smythe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sam Smith he, uh, this, this guy identifies as a non-binary um, I guess like I learned from my wife that he was like you know I, I guess he was just like a he was a gay uh, musician when he first started up and she was like yeah and he was, he was, he was pretty mediocre <laughs> uh, her words not mine uh, but he came out as non-binary recently and he's joined up with uh, another singer named Kim Petras uh, a trans uh, I guess it would be a trans woman um, Andrew, I have a couple comments on the background of that if you wanted to share in a bit. Uh, I don't know anything really about Kim Petras, but they performed a song at the Grammys called Unholy. Uh, this is the 65th annual Grammys that was held on a Sunday, February 5th, as I mentioned. Um, and even before the performance, I guess Sam Smith made a, a tweet saying, This is going to be something special with a little, you know, devil emoji. Uh, CBS then retweeted Sam Smith um, in responding to him uh, with the tweet saying, you can say that again. We are ready to worship. So uh, Sam Smith had, had posted this, a picture with, of himself with this tweet of him in the rehearsal wearing uh, a hat with double horns. Uh, during the show, he comes out, he's wearing a uh, bright red latex. His, his double top hat with horns is, is red uh and he was like surrounded by um you know these these immodestly dressed uh backup dancers uh with satanic headgear on um there was uh dark red lights fire shooting out of, out of the stage and Kim Petras is his co-performer the trans co-performer she was dancing along inside of a cage uh and they were all holding whips cracking it um and uh this obviously upset uh, Christians. Um, I mean, uh, people were, were coming out saying it's, it is – it is this is a satanic display. Uh, aside from just the blatant sexuality of the whole thing, it's a display of, of tribute to Satanism, especially CBS calling it worship. Um some tweeters, though, came to the defense of Sam Smith and Kem Petra, saying that the song Unholy is about calling out infidelity and adultery. Uh, I read through the lyrics um, and this, the basic story of the song is uh, a wife doesn't know her husband is cheating on her with another woman. The husband's not good at keeping this like keeping his affair quiet and he's boasting about it to people. Um, his mistress is only in it with the man for the expensive gifts that he gives her. And, you know, as long as he keeps giving her gifts, she'll help him keep the relationship secret. He's like super he, – Sam Smith says he's like, you know, super against adultery and this kind of thing. And I guess my – so that's that's the general background. And I, I guess our, the, the first general thought in this is – He's against all and I guess this is apparently the best way to depict it on stage by having Smith dress up like a devil with, uh, you know, scanty clad women dancing around him. Like. Who is not really a woman.
1: <laughs> who's not really is, a woman, yeah. I suppose one of the layers of irony in this, in which there are several, is that this is allegedly depicting what's wrong in an adulterous relationship in what is clearly a heterosexual, monogamous situation, and yet this song is being performed and carried out by a couple of people who clearly uh, flout that. You have Sam Smith, who, uh, ide- who identifies as non-binary. He uses they, them pronouns, which I guess a joke since they're using this overtly satanic imagery Is he's they, them, so... Uh, Call him Legion, for he is many, because they, them is plural, Uh, at least till we started breaking our language. We're going to get banned off of YouTube the first time we did this, aren't we? Um, Anyway, all that to say, um, another layer to this also is this did happen on a Sunday. I didn't watch it live, even if it wasn't on a Sunday. I wasn't going to watch it probably anyway, because the Grammys aren't something I've Cared about for quite a while, Um, but also that it is on a Sunday. I don't watch live TV on Sundays because Sunday is the Lord's day, and you know, that's how I uh, part of my conviction that I don't think that's that's proper to do. Um, The only reason, really, we're even talking about this is it does sort of come into collision with a lot of the issues that we've been talking about uh, regarding Christ and culture. And regarding the public square and what sort of things are presented in the public square and how we interact with them and how we think about them. Um, so, yeah, on one hand, yeah, we have, uh, we basically are seeing all the first four commandments being broken simultaneously. We see the first commandment because CBS says they're ready to worship and they're worshiping Satan or they're at least worshiping a depiction of Satan. Uh, Sam Smith, this singer who's dressed up in the very cartoonish, uh, stereotypical presentation of Satan of Satan, but still very much trying to depict Satan. You have Kim Petras, who is a man who is you know dancing around, him, which uh, is itself an interesting case. As Cable mentioned, I, I'd looked a little into the background of Kim Petras. Kim Petras used to be Tim Petras and was a famous case in europe because uh he wanted to transition to being a girl very young he was like a, a preteen, early teenager in a in a i don't remember exactly the country but uh, where you were supposed to wait until you were 18 to receive hormonal and surgical gender transition and fought basically to transition earlier and that was some years ago and now Is this pop star, Kim Petrus, who's uh, performing this song with Sam Smith? So you kind of have a lot of the various issues and difficulties and pressures that Christians face in the culture all colliding on this one event. You have, well, you have the issue of the Sabbath breaking. I already went into that. And I know that probably even a lot of our listeners wouldn't agree with me on that, but that's where I stand. But then you also have the deliberately religious imagery but satanic imagery trying to depict it as worship Um, and then uh, just being the the flaunting of you know breaking the seventh commandment uh, with homosexuality with transgenderism these various things which transgress that there's just a lot here there's a lot of layers to this now at first, when I heard about it, I was inclined to just not really care to kind of dismiss it. But then you start thinking about it, and it's like, yeah, there's really a lot here.
2: <laughs> it's almost like where do you even begin? Yeah. Well, one thing uh, <clears throat> I was uh, I was reading just a little bit earlier of uh, Petrus's response um, when asked about the performance. So afterwards, and now let me let me just say real quick with. Um, there's people that, you know, are coming to uh, to the, per- the defense of the performance, again, saying that, well, unholy is about adultery. And the depiction of, you know, dancing around in, in you know, satanic uh, devil-like clothing is, uh, you know, is because it's against the topic of adultery. Um, but Petrus said backstage that the performance, and just just so this is all clear. Petra said that in in an interview that this was inspired by not feeling accepted by religion and here's a quote I think a lot of people honestly have kind of labeled what I stand for and what Sam stands for as religiously not cool And uh, this referring to uh, gender things, non-binary, transgender I personally grew up wondering about religion and wanting to be a part of it but slowly realizing it didn't want me to be a part of it, she said so This is a quote. So it's a a take on not being able to choose religion and not being able to live the way that people might want you to live because as a trans person, I'm already not kind of wanted in religion. So we were doing a take on that, and I was kind of Hellkeeper Kim, end quote. So there's, there's the direct blunt inspiration for the performance and the costumes. It is actually a flaunting... Uh, basically a a performance of the middle finger to uh, Christianity and traditional values. What do you think about that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can't really make it any clearer than that. This is, I'm going to uh, do this deliberately, I mean, blasphemous uh, anti-Christian performance uh, because I don't like Christianity because I, I am angry at Christianity, I am embittered towards Christianity. And so I'm, uh, I'm basically I'm basically coming for Christianity. Uh, now, this is uh, really fascinating when you think about some of the history of transgenderism as the LGBT movement more broadly, because you could think of back to about a decade ago, uh, in the, in the lead-up to Obergefell versus Hodges and things of that sort. Um, what were the, What was this movement saying that it wanted? They were right. saying that they wanted tolerance. They were saying that, you know, we weren't coming for your kids. We weren't coming for your religion. We weren't coming for any of this. We just want to be left alone to do our thing. And we have clearly moved well beyond that now where – uh, they basically got everything they asked for them, but now they are coming for kids, and they are coming for religion, and they are doing so uh loudly and celebration of from the broader culture. Now, that's not to say there hasn't been pushback. As I understand, there has been several FCC complaints filed about this broadcast. It was broadcast on live network television which apparently is still regulated you wouldn't know that by some of the things that you see on there but uh, apparently there are still some rules uh sitting dusty on a bookshelf somewhere and so there have been some complaints uh would be interesting to see if they actually go anywhere i kind of feel like under the current administration that that's pretty unlikely i don't think we're going to see a lot come from those complaints uh But it is interesting there was at least some uh, blowback in that regard. Uh, But I think more why we wanted to look at this. uh, I mean, there's a lot of things, like I said, to look at this. But one of the (laughs) things as it relates to things we've been talking about previously on our show, which if you haven't been listening, go to our site, go to any podcatcher. You can download our previous episodes where we've been doing this series on Christ and culture. And one of the issues we looked at... Uh, particularly as we recently have looked at uh, the Escondido Two Kingdoms view. And then we actually haven't put these out yet, but we've recorded our episodes on Sphere Sovereignty where this will come up as well. Um, We talked about, we've sort of posed the issue, is there neutrality in the public square? Now, When we talked about Escondido Two Kingdoms, one of the things that we pointed out when we were looking at at Dr. David Van Drunen's works is he would say there's not neutrality, but then as we kind of parse that a little deeper, we find something that functionally is rather neutral and then it's treated as uh, people pluralistically self-governing based on some form of a social consensus. The problem's... Of that start to manifest when we see these overt, uh, satanic and anti Christian activities going on in the public square. This is clearly not a neutral action. In fact, in those quotes that uh, Caleb read from Kim Petrus, these are in fact deliberately hostile activities in the public square towards Christianity.
2: Yeah, uh, I was uh, you know, sneaking on a, on a question on this, like. So I mean, is this what morality being ruled by natural law looks like? Um, you know, th- is th- this is what this is what that sort of, if we want to put it that way? I mean, yeah, the two kingdoms guys talk about this being new, you know, a, a, a occurring in a neutral zone, a neutral sphere, but <clears throat> it, but this is uh, this view is overly optimistic of Mm -hmm. how natural law is supposed to function, how it's supposed to make these decisions. This is what, you know, being uh, given over to a debased mind looks like one that, that shrugs off true morality as scripture, uh, as scripture, uh, instructs as scripture, um, uh, you know, calls for, um, yeah, and I know that we've, we've brought this up, you know, several times uh, in the past, um, uh, especially on the Bobcast. But, you know, uh, you, you think of this whole matter as, uh, as as always always going back to Romans 1 in terms of the so-called, if you want to call it, the, the culture wars. Uh, it, it comes down to simply, uh, you know, the God is giving man up who professed to be wise, uh, had become Fools, exchanging the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man to the various created things. He gives up man to the lusts of their hearts in impurity and to the dishonoring of the bodies among themselves because they exchange the truth about God. The truth being then also that which is revealed and known in the heart by nature, the moral law. It, right. God's laws about who man is supposed to be uh, in relation to God and this world around him is uh, is governed and set forward by God. And when man does not act accordingly, as he can't, uh, he's going to act in debased ways. And God's law uh, in Scripture's teachings through the Christians is to... uh, is to relegate and influence culture, to curb wickedness. Right. I also
1: want to, I think it would be worth unpacking a little bit, too, uh, a term you mentioned there, culture wars. And (laughs) I think we've kind of tangentially talked about this before, but um, there is a particular tendency uh, among various camps in this cultural discussion to sort of downplay and minimize the culture war and they kind of just treat, uh, basically, uh, anything pertaining to like, you know, the hot button cultural issues. So LGBT abortion, uh, things of this sort, they probably would even include something like this Grammys performance that a lot of people are talking Mm -hmm. about and interested in and upset about. They say, well, that's just culture wars. We, you know, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of effort. That's not really what we as Christians ought to be doing. The problem with that approach is that what is at stake in the culture wars? It's more than just mere what culture is doing and what it's going to look at. What is at stake in the culture wars is moral issues. Um, The culture wars are actually moral wars. It's over what vision of morality, what standards of morality culture is going to act according to. Those aren't things about which we are merely allowed to be indifferent. Now, this is not to say that everybody needs to be all invested in these sorts of things all the time, but insofar as they have influence, insofar as they have knowledge, insofar as they're actively participating in the culture in any way, uh, as with anything we do, we are bound by our morals. We are bound by the moral law of Scripture. I've already, you know, we've listed off Uh, several commandments that this Grammys performance broke, and we could probably come up with more. If we really wanted to sit down and parse it out, Mm -hmm. we could probably come up with ways in which it broke all of them. And, I mean, it's a moral abomination. I mean, there's a reason, for instance, we're not playing it here for you tonight on the show. One reason is that we haven't figured out our streaming enough to play videos, but even if we (laughs) did, we would not be showing this for you. And we're not saying even go watch it. If you haven't watched it, just take our word for it. Don't go look at it. It's bad. You don't need right. to.
2: Just read an article.
1: Yeah, or go read to other do. press on it. But yeah, don't go watch it because it's it's not good for your soul. Mm-hmm. But uh, all that to say, the stakes in the culture war are moral. And because they are moral and because all people are moral, because as our Reformed Confessions say, all men are bound by the moral law and as we've even talked about in the Westminster Standards, justified persons as well as others, the moral law is binding Mm -hmm. on all people. There's no opting out of the culture war, at least in so far the parts of the culture war where the stakes and the issues in play are moral issues. You can't just decide, ah, that's culture war, I'm going to leave it be. That's not my job, Mm -hmm. that's not my thing. Um there's a lot of this indifference, but then some even go so far as to just be overtly hostile and attacking and saying, you not only do you not need to participate in these discussions or these events at all, but you shouldn't, and you're wrong if you do. And uh, it's, it's basically a call to people to abdicate their morals, to abandon them in the public square. And it's just a lot of yeah. really yeah. troubling discourse about this
2: idea of a culture war that we see in our day. Yeah. And when I mean, when I think even then of culture war, <clears throat> um, you know, I said so-called in terms of how it's how it's how, how it's referred to uh, these days. But when I when I think of culture war, I think of uh, the antithesis. You know, uh, we haven't really gone into that yet in in uh, our current series in Once for All Delivered, um, not not directly, uh, or, or rather in detail. But this antithesis of of the you know the, this this perennial strife between uh, the children of God or um, and the children of Satan, um, and this is particularly what we see. I mean. Uh, This this is what's always been occurring. It's going to occur until Christ returns. Um, The the there's no neutrality. There's no there's no uh, what's the uh, in World War One? You know there was no man's land, right? That vast space in between uh, the Axis and Allied forces of sorts. Um, uh, Or like the the DMZ between the two Koreans now. Right. See, like, there we go. The DMZ. It's uh, there's not a neutral space. It's they're antithetical, opposed because of God. I mean, there is no friendship with the world in any sort of way. Um, and you know, you're talking about morals. Uh, Again, going back to Romans one thirty, but uh, in verse thirty-two, the fact of the matter is that all know God's moral law. And Paul says, uh, "God's right. They know God's righteous decree. But those who practice such things—that uh, is, all things of against God—deserve to die, because they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. And that, thats exactly how you know things have been playing out uh, in our society with the lessened uh, or weakened and watered down influence of Christianity, uh, humanly speaking." Um, you know, it's, it, there's, there's approval going on. I mean, and this is why, uh, here, here you see after this Grammy performance, uh, Sam Smith in, uh, and Petrus, uh, what was Tim, right? Tim Petrus was, was, was the real name, I think. Right. Uh, they, uh, won the award for best pop duo. And Petrus went on on a, uh, you know, on uh, an acceptance speech uh, about how, you know, this is such a big, this is a win as the first transgender to receive uh, the award. Um, I mean, uh, our society is literally awarding those who are, uh, you know, enslaved to these debased passions and, and, uh, and lies about their nature right um
1: yeah it's not only acceptance but it has turned to celebration and not Mm. only celebration by our cultural institutions and our cultural elites but also a demand that everyone should celebrate this i mean we're putting it on broadcast tv now this is supposed to be something yeah broadcast tv in prime time at least historically this was the stuff the whole family could sit down
2: and watch together um well families, family is and and that's the other part of it right it's 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 a destruction of the so-called again i I mean in the sense that it's called the new uh nuclear family right the uh the traditional family unit um i was reading a uh i sent you the link earlier andrew uh, i won't go into the whole detail here but this uh this interview of a pre-kindergarten teacher who's uh a Presently, uh, it was interviewed attacking the concept of childhood innocence uh, and saying that children uh, from the age of three are, can already understand gender concepts. And so they should be taught uh, in preschool um, about gender ideology and transgenderism, all this kind of stuff. And he goes on and says that uh, just two brief quotes here. He attacks the idea and he claims that the idea of, of you know, all this sexual gender topic, such a view um, that they shouldn't be taught that is a very white, Christian, upper class, cisgendered and heterocentric idea. Um, and he goes on to say that uh, basically the children, uh, if, if parents are failing to teach their kids this, again, toddlers – Uh, If parents are teaching or are failing to teach children, then uh, then teachers at schools have to foster classroom environments that make uh, that that that, that teaches them these things. So they want to usurp the role of parents as a whole and decide, well, this is what the kid needs to know. Gender, transgenderism.
1: (laughs) Right. Which is
2: we get into our
1: a discussion of sphere sovereignty, which we have partially recorded but not released, so (laughs) we're in kind of this weird time-lapse situation here. So we know what we said, but you don't yet. (laughs) Um, I mean, this would be a gross infringement of the sphere of the family, who is primarily responsible for the uh, raising of children and even the educating of children. Uh, It's the family. Now, this is not to say that um homeschooling is the only way or anything like that for instance I'd be it's a legitimate endeavor for Christian parents, Christian families to band together to form school associations to form schools uh, things of that sort uh, but all of that to say this is done, uh, under the supervision of and accountable to the parents who bear the primary responsibility for raising the children. Mm-hmm. And another thing that we get into in that sphere of sovereignty discussion is the tendency of the creeping totalitarian state. When these other spheres are breaking down, when these other spheres are usurped, the state is there to take over, to seize more power, to ever grow and ever take more power, as sort of this... Uh, creeping, uh, giant, almost like Leviathan-like thing that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and seizing more power to itself, to where now, I mean, most of the schools in our land are owned and controlled by the government, and they mm-hmm. receive their edicts as to what they are to teach, um, particularly pertaining to ideologies like this from the top down, from the federal government. Um, and paid for by our taxes in America. Right. Right. Let's so, not forget. Yeah. So, and that's yet another reason why uh, as we look at these issues that are often swept into the bucket and try attempted to be dismissed as culture wars, there's really no opt out because as long as you are a citizen of a country, you know, you pay taxes and you participate in whatever governmental system in the ways you are required to, you're in it whether you want to be or not. So would it not be better to seek to see that your society, to see that your country, to see that its government does carry out its purposes uh, in a way that is pleasing to God?
2: Hmm. Yeah, and it's it's uh, you know, we can we can ask that question of. I mean, in in the meanwhile, like. Why does it seem Christians are are so silent? Or you know why uh, why is there so much power uh, you know in these uh, in these cultural institutions? Um, I mean, really, I mean, I, I I would I would at least say you know Christians did become very complacent. I mean, it, it, this coming again from from the human perspective, we know that there there is uh, you know in in. In the grand scale of the theological proper perspective, uh, God's sovereignty—he knows His purposes in these things, um, and in what He's, you know, he, He's ordained for these things to happen uh, overall. But this capitulation of Western society to this liberalism had had Christianity become really complacent. You know, uh, did, did Christianity become very content in assuming? Uh, It's its privileges, if you will, in society taking, you know, taking its position for granted. Uh, Was it a lot of nominal Christianity that was embedded in things and that just deteriorated and corroded over time? Were we too lenient in dealing with uh, theological liberalism? Um, You know, we, we could say, you know, check all the boxes above. Uh, this has been a long time coming, several hundred years, even since the enlightenment. Uh, but it's, it's the, the deconstruction has been slow, but, uh, but sure. Um, and we were blinded to seeing these things, uh, and, and failing to properly, I think, engage with them. Um, I mean, we already had the example out in Europe, uh, you know, uh, for like a century prior, the, the writing was on the wall. And we should have assumed or, or at least saw that those things would come into our institutions, especially as people were going over to the, the universities to be trained uh, where these ideologies were being fostered. Um, I mean, a lot of it is is coming from that place of uh, of Marxist ideologies. Uh, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Uh, it, it is the 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 poison in the water has been critical theory. Um, I mean the, this this whole time. Uh, critical theory's origins could go even back into the uh, 1930s. I can't remember if we've spoken about this on 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 air before a a but but you know I mean this this was uh, the, the original concept of of critical theory didn't apply alone to. Uh, to uh racism that came later but critical theory uh was was originally in drawing out the class distinctions and to 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 break the power dynamics so that any minority um uh any minority position could overtake the majority position and this was done by basically um uh what word we want to use us you could say spam posting, uh, by, by flooding society or culture, uh, in various institutions with, um, basically, uh, a less popular view. Uh, originally this was applied to art with, um, uh, the mass industrial printing of, uh, great classic fine artworks, um, uh, making them produced so en masse that they would become available in home um, for every single person at at a cheap price for this little print. Um, so you, you don't even have to go to a you know to a you don't have to go to a palace to see uh, this this grand display on art. You don't have to go to a to a museum or art center. You can put it on your you know on your fridge uh, at home or something. Uh, you flood it the market to make something accessible or normalized, and you would eventually see this in other parts of, of culture and society play out, such as right now. We've had the culture flooded with uh, concepts of, of uh, systemic racism and with uh, 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 the necessity of teaching homosexuality, transgenderism, queerness, Um, And we're right now in this very process of queerness, like I said, even to the point where uh, here you have this pre-K teacher saying, you know, toddlers must be taught queerness if their parents are avoiding the topic. And it's you you get these you get these defenders that uh, uh, some of these defenders of things like critical theory and transgenderism that, you know, we're not after your kids. You know, uh, uh we, there's no conspiracy to go in and, and corrupt children. I mean, <laughs> proof's in the pudding. It's, it's, I mean, what, what more do you want here? Uh, it's, you know, you can't necessarily say, Oh, it's too late. We never know what the Lord w- would do or, or what he has in store. Or if, if we would be given over in a Western society, in our country, in America, to these ideas more and more, but it is, uh, but you know, we are right now in the midst of being flooded with this in all spheres of society. Where's the neutrality with that?
1: Right. And you also see, uh, as you flesh out some of these issues of critical theory and as it's uh, traced back to these Marxist ideologies, you see this concept of intersectionality. Why do the Grammys care that... Uh, Kim Petras is the first transgender artist to win a Grammy. Well, that's the fruit of intersectionality. Um, as Caleb said, it starts started with economic classes and the more uh, classical Marxist strain, but uh, this critical theory has been applied to other things where you have all these different oppressed groups that came to bear in uh, racial oppression, then it comes to bear in feminism, uh Yeah, queer theory, all the various schools of LGBT and all that kind of stuff. So when you have all these different oppressed groups together, then it's like, then they're kind of competing for the same Mm -hmm. air. So how do you parse out the differences between them? So intersectionality is, well, can you check multiple oppression boxes? Yeah, You might be black, and so you might check that box but then you might be a black woman so then you check too and so you see in that the rise of womanism uh particular field uh pertaining to the uh, oppression oppressor, oppressor dynamic as it pertains to black women or then you have the various queer theories and like and so all these things that you see celebrate well you this is the first person of this ethnic group or this uh sexual orientation or gender identity to do this particular thing. What you see is intersectionality, and culture has been flooded with it. You also see that this is part of a very deliberate effort to capture cultural institutions, to capture the media, to capture the arts. And by capturing these institutions, you can control the narratives and you can mm-hmm. uh, put this, you can flood the public with this stuff, even though the general public is. Uh, not particularly interested in this thing. In America, you know, most of us want to go back to our grills and be left alone, but... um But, yeah, we're being flooded on all sides with this from the culture. Um But all this to say, this is the moment we're living in as Christians. There is not neutrality. There's never been neutrality. Mm-mm. You know, if we're trying to say, well, if we're just nice enough, and if we get along, and if we give them enough of what they want without compromising, then then we can live at peace and we can have opportunities to preach the gospel and such. And that's just not the case. The no, other <laughs> side wants to destroy us. Uh, our enemies want to destroy us. They want to glorify their sin. They want to rule with their sin and by their sin. They want to put it out for everyone to see. Not only do they want it accepted, but they want it celebrated and demand it celebrated, and they will seek to silence and marginalize anyone who will not. That is the moment we are living in. It is not this idealistic moment of secular pluralism at its best when we all go along to get
2: along. Now, yeah. with, uh, I mean, why was it that, no, no, We're, we might note the distinctions in terms of Old Testament theocracy, but... Uh, a point here: um, Why was it that Israel was not allowed to co-inhabit and mix with the culture around them, with the w- and to adopt the practices of the pagans? You know, this is uh, Christians have, have played a, a large part in this too, and then uh, even self-professing Christians uh, who have you know are pressured by society are starting to show their colors in uh, you know coming out in support of uh, in defense of um these various things we find in culture uh you know wanting to uh, uh wanting to be able to also say that hey we can check those boxes that we are not uh you know we're not persecutors of you we're not bigots of you christianity's for you because it's about love and acceptance just like you're asking for uh you know christianity wants to be able to uh, a lot of fake churches these days are looking to so relativize make 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 the gospel and Jesus relevant that they, they want to say, you know, oh, um, well, Jesus was uh, oppressed, right? Uh, uh, Christianity is all about uh, is it, totally for color. It's for the refugee. And uh, before we transition in here uh, into this next topic, I think because uh, I want to give that segue, uh, just just a brief background uh, in in a manner on on our show's name. Uh, you know, th- this is taken from, we we, we take it from Jude, 1, uh, Jude verse three for a reason. And I'm going to briefly or really quickly here, read through that, um, but confer it in your scriptures, if you will, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, no neutrality there, no neutrality contend. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. And now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling. He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire to serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. And that's, that's what we're looking in, in this show to point at. It's, there is not, a neutral territory and Christians end up in one side or the other themselves. You can't stand in the middle, uh, uh, passively, uh, passively waiting it all to, to just pass, to, to, to go by and just hope that humanity as whole is going to act good or, or, and, you know, make, make a comfortable society to live in. And you don't want things to go to, uh, to a persecution. I mean, who, it's it, if the Lord wills that in, a, in, in ordains that to come upon us uh, in, in this in this time, you know that 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 is the will of the Lord. But we are urged to contend for the faith once for all delivered.
1: Right. Another thing too on that note of persecution, you know, there's a lot of talk about. Well, I mean, if we're persecuted. That's fine. We'll take it. And even if we're persecuted, that'll make the church more pure and, <laughs> and 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 it'll be better for the church overall. And maybe in a very particular and limited sense, that's true. But we also have to think about it in terms of part of the reason we don't have very much persecution now, although we're starting to see more of it. But part of the reason that we don't have it is because of the effects of Christianity and the effects of the gospel as salt and light that it has already had in the world. This isn't just some aberrant result of all this nominalism and stuff. No, this was a way in which Christianity really did change the world. Mm -hmm. Now, we may be at the end. If God wills that we are going to suffer
2: for his name, then so be it. Right. Real fast. We also do uh, what you're just saying there, too. You know, the second use of the law, you know, in in the curbing uh, and the the, the curbing of wickedness in the application of justice. I mean, these are this is uh, that's the other factor that that has what has been applied kind of by default because it was embedded in Western society. Mm hmm. So it curbs wickedness and that's being loosened because there's a breakaway from the law. Right. Sorry, sorry, go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, and I mean we think about I mean, this isn't a very politically correct thing to say. Like I said, we're already working on getting banned and we just started out, but <laughs> you think about the you think about the cultures that converted to Christianity, that were brought to Christianity and what they were before and the kinds of things that they practiced. Human mm-hmm. sacrifice was a Mm -hmm. frequent feature. Cannibalism, uh, things of that sort. Gross acts of uh, religiously tinged sexual immorality. All this on top of false pagan worship. Mm -hmm. Um, We have seen the restraining effects of Christianity as it has gone forth into the world. Again, that's not politically correct. It's not nice to talk about that. That's colonialism and... Uh, all these sorts of things, these taboos uh, in our academies and such. But the fact is, we have seen this evidence of common grace as the Word of God has gone forth to the world and as it has had its impact in cultures. And a lot of people now, they're just willing to let that go for nothing. And like I said, if it's God's will, then so be it. But also, we're called to be faithful and we're called to be obedient in the things that we do do have influence in, in the things that God has called us to do. And so we shouldn't
2: just roll over and, you know, it's it's fascinating. It's fascinating with the undoing of, if you will, uh, the undoing of Christian influence in society here, you have a reversion to paganism. Um, Mm. You know, I mean, right right now, my, my wife loves uh young adult uh novels, and she says that in the mainstream, that is that the mass market uh publication industry, uh the hot thing right now is is witchcraft. And we're not talking about like the you know Harry Potter kind of fantasy sort, but like the actually um like Wiccan uh paganistic witchcraft. Um, that's that's become a huge trend uh, in style as well the past couple years there's uh, there's reversion in Scandinavian countries back to uh back to the Norse uh to the Norse religions uh in California a couple of years ago uh there was a, a they passed a law um, <clears throat> to basically have time in particular uh, uh, school districts to open the school day with uh with reciting chants to Aztec gods, um, and the, the, one of the particular Aztec gods that because they basically want to you know share that they they you know they don't want people to feel weird with you know with forced prayer and, uh, from Christianity, and they want to be able to have others experience a religion. Well, the, the, one of the gods that they're that they're chanting to it was a chant for, that was recited to the god that was used by the Aztecs for uh, their uh, for their human sacrifices. Uh, it's, it's like, so this, this is again, what morality looks like to you. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, we have what about, we have a couple of minutes left here. Do you want to transition now? Yeah. Well, not, not the way that we're
1: probably thinking in like light of what we've James just Petrus. discussed, but right. um, yeah, we did have another topic and we, We're wanting to keep this at about an hour. We'll see if we actually keep it under an hour. But uh, (laughs) So one of the things that Caleb hinted at a little bit ago was this uh, trying to, uh, not only this neutrality, but also kind of trying to take a middle road. Trying to make Jesus as palatable as possible. And that brings us... To another topic that we want to talk about, and this is a topic that a lot of people have been talking about. Yet again, something that was broadcast on TV live on Sunday, so my uh, ness is uh, triggered. Um, so I didn't watch this yet again live, um, but everybody's been talking about it. And this was one, too, that we knew was coming in advance. But the airing of the He gets Us ads during the Super Bowl, uh, the, the uh, yeah. So there, and there's been a lot of, you know, if you listen to other podcasts and stuff, pretty much everyone has taken their turn beating up on He gets Us. But um, if you haven't heard of it before, basically there, the idea is to make these ads. The production quality of them, I mean, they're very, like, professional, and they're meant to look very appealing. They're often, like, kind of these black and white videos. They have this kind of edgy music. Like, they actually are using, like, popular songs, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what music's popular. I listen to... <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do the hipster Thanks. thing. I listen to stuff that most of you probably never heard of. But... Um... <laughs> No, they pick, like, you know, and they try to make it really, like, edgy and appealing to direct people to the website he gets us. And it's basically been looked at as this tool of pre evangelism. It's to get people talking about, thinking about Jesus. And then they go to their site, they can get, they can talk to people there, they can get connected maybe with a church. Um, but it's never really going to overtly share the gospel, but it's at least to kind of get people thinking about Jesus a little bit is basically what it's for. Um, yeah. There's a lot yeah, of these ads. Caleb actually was the first person to tell me about it. This was about two years ago. Uh, he told me he found the website or saw one of the ads or something. I think they were airing them during the, the final college football games of of early early 2021.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I I
1: think I saw one of those ads after you told me about it, like in the National Championship game. So it's been around for a little while now.
2: I don't even know where I saw it. I think it was, it might've been either on on a Hulu commercial when I had Hulu, uh, or it was on a YouTube commercial. But I abruptly forgot it, apparently. Because I had no clue any of this was happening. or I, I also don't watch tv really much now and i I definitely don't do so on you know on on sunday um i'm I'm not a sports person in the first place so i had no context and andrew tells me about it and i'm like oh what i don't know what he gets us is he's like uh you told me about it first
1: (laughs) but again that was a couple years ago yeah so it's still around So, basically, the idea of he gets uh, seems to be the very thing which we were talking about that isn't such a good idea, that we need to uh, basically present, like, a very minimalistic, lowest common denominator version of Jesus that appeals to whatever people in the world are interested in. So, you can go on their site, you can see their ads, like, there's one that, um... I don't remember all that it says or anything, but basically it's very clearly meant to invoke the imagery of, uh, the black lives matter protests uh, that we've seen at various times over the last couple of years, that Jesus was basically a rebel and who took to the streets and would, uh, you know, people didn't accept him. People didn't receive him. Uh, I mean, there is a certain sense in which you could say those things about Jesus and, them be true but it's presented in a way that's very i would say incautious because it's attaching him to things in our day that are certainly not one-to-one correlations
2: Um, yeah i i admit with like and like going back to their website and stuff um i i felt like i had a hard time following it and like understanding what exactly it's trying to say um i mean i i couldn't find really any kind of Anything really with about the gospel. There, there's like nothing about sin on there, mm-hmm. which to me, um, I mean, sin is the, the teaching of the knowledge of sin is pre-evangelism. Um, the knowledge of sin itself is not enough to save you. Faith in Christ saves you um by the gospel and through the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's you know, you look on the website, and they, they they have like all these these articles on the main page talking about like um, here's just some of the headers: Jesus didn't want us to act like kids, uh, so he doesn't want us to be adults. Jesus loved the people we hate. Okay, Jesus invited everyone to sit at his table. All right, did Jesus live in poverty? Did Jesus ever mourn? Jesus was a refugee. Uh, was Jesus' family perfect? Um, it's, it's like. Uh, what's this one? How did Jesus deal with injustice? How would Jesus be judged today? Uh, Jesus was an activist, uh, four ways Jesus supported women's equality and so on and so forth. And I get to this page that says, you know, is this a campaign to get me to go to church? And then in bold letters, it says no period. Um, he gets us simply invites all to consider the story of a man who created a radical love movement that continues to impact the world thousands of years later. It's the, the, the presentation of, of this as a radical love movement. I like, I I have a hard time parsing it out in a sense. I understand the way of like, yeah, what Andrew said, it's trying to mirror a, a protest movement. It's trying to mirror the things you've seen with BLM and so on, but is I mean, it, it's just what is the nature of love that they're trying to get at? You know, yeah. it's it's so ambiguous. That it, I mean, love? that it hurts. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. <laughs> I I did some brief re- some brief research. Uh, you know, just kind of looking through on on the organization, and I found that it's a it's a uh it's a sub group of um of a kansas city uh, overland park um uh, overland park uh kansas city based parachurch organization uh called signatory or also known as um what was it the uh i forget the name of it the servant, servant foundation foundation yeah the servant foundation uh it's been going for about 22 years now um they've basically used about $4 billion in what they call transformational grants for nonprofits around the world. Um, what they want to do is build uh, values and turning them into a lifestyle. And again, and going through it, I mean, there wasn't, honestly, there wasn't a whole lot that that seemed, was like, that looked bad or wrong. Um, but there's also virtually nothing really about the gospel, even though they'll kind of talk about, you know, teaching uh, about Christianity here and there. They support di- discipleship and outreach efforts. They support Bible translations, cultural care, church plants, anti-human trafficking, student ministries, poverty alleviation, clean water initiatives, and so much more. So they, they have a very, very good uh, charitable uh, humanitarian effort um which which can be you know which can be applauded um and especially in that they have some notion of uh yeah that this is an outworking of gospel fruit in a sense um you know i want to be i want to be fair to to mm-hmm. to the extent here but but their 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 mission statement is what confuses me most like uh, it says their mission statement is to leave a lasting mark on eternity they believe in generosity, that generosity is the heart of the gospel, and this drives us to equip people to lead generous lives reflecting the image of God. By sacrificially signing our names to his causes, we can write the last checks needed to solve the world's greatest problems and spread the hope of the gospel to all. Their mission is to inspire and facilitate revolutionary biblical generosity, and their vision is to write the last check to the last missionary to be sent out to to the last unreached people group, so the last person can hear the gospel. So it's like it—it it, it has, like I said, a good general notion, but this 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 concept of whatever this revolutionary biblical generosity is—like I'm having a hard time following that. Mm-hmm. But the uh, a lot the of it is. Was, oh, oh. I was just going like, to say that the campaign was was backed, though apparently by um, in somewhere around fifty. Uh, somewhere around fifteen billion dollars by the CEO of Hobby Lobby. Um, mm. uh, what was his name? David Green. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it, actually I might have been wrong on that that sum there. I, but uh, let me see. One of the donors behind the ads is a craft chain billionaire. No, he's he's worth fifteen billion. I think he invested uh, at least some billion or so into it. Anyways.
1: Yeah. Um, I believe he gets us was initially seeded with a hundred million dollars and has gone up from there, which we're talking a lot of money here. Um, they've also attempted to form partnerships with churches and denominations. They were, for a time, partnered with the Southern Baptist Convention before uh, mm. some people within the SBC started uh, following the money, and they eventually decided to pull out. The PCA was approached to partner with them. Uh, they opted not to. Uh mm, mm, mm. Because when you start to look at this, you you really have to ask yourself, like, I mean, yeah, in a way, because basically it was, they were coming to these churches and it's like, you don't have to pay for anything. It's already paid for, but we can basically put your name on this and you can be associated with it. And the allure Mm -hmm. of free money is strong, but of course there is no such thing as free money. You could look, for instance, at the other work that I did, for instance, on (laughs) seminaries and... There is no free money from anyone for anything, but uh, so yeah, we. But then we see many churches. You know, a lot of the big like non-denominational mega churches and the like have partnered with them. But the question you have to ask is to what ends? Because yeah, it's like as Caleb said, pre-evangelism is the law. Bring people to a conviction and knowledge of their sin and their recognition that they need salvation. They need to repent, not. Jesus is just like you, so, Mm -hmm. you know, you can be okay with what you are. Because really, that's what that's going to do, is it's going to confirm people in what they already are. Basically, uh, you know, just to use an illustration, growing up in Wyoming, we always would get the Mormons, the Latter-day Saint missionaries, coming to our house, and they tell you all this stuff, and... They try to tell you how much they are like your Christianity, and then at the end you have to ask them. It's like, okay, if you're this much like us, which really if you get behind the curtain, they're not, but they try to say they are. So it's like, if you're really that much like us, then why do we need you? We seem Mm -hmm. like we're doing all right already. Um, And you can kind of ask the same question as he gets us. It's kind of like, well, if you try to make Jesus look just like whatever people in the world today are doing what does Jesus have to offer them then?
2: Exactly. It's, it's kind of been, it's been interesting with, I guess I was reading some of the, uh, with the responses. Um, What was it through uh, CNN? uh, You know, that bastion of unbiased, uh, uh, you know, news media, but still good to see like, you know, what what that side thinks about things. Mm -hmm. Um, It, it had basically, it felt like so far, at least the the opposite effect, um, and you know that, maybe that's good in a way. So it, it's broadcasted at the uh, it's broadcasted at the Super Bowl, and uh, people are on one manner, you know, kind of a little bit confused uh, as to what it's it's asking or what it what it's what it's broadcasting for. So it, it's not just us. Um, it seems that there was general confusion at what it was trying to communicate um, uh, the it however I guess people like you know quickly went to go and uh, you know investigated uh, well what is this what is this then what is this group uh, and very quickly they found okay well this group you know is tied to fundamentalist uh, evangelical churches. Um, even though their, their website says, be assured we're not left or right of a political organization of any kind. Uh, we're also not affiliated with any particular church or denomination. People then look and see it, that they, they actually, uh, the parent company, uh, the, what do we call it? Uh, the Servant Foundation uh, uh, signatory, you know, does fund uh, anti-abortion and anti-LGBTQ things. And again, applaud. That's, uh, I'm, I'm for that entirely. That's great. Yeah. Um, let, let, let's not minimize what is being done right. And I, if only, you know, maybe they'd stick a little more to that aspect of it too. Um, but uh, the, it, they basically, like, pe- people sense like, oh, it's trying to pull one over on me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> you know, it's trying to say, oh, this, this Jesus is just like me. And he has kind of, the, he has the same sort of values that I have of you know the refugee and the lost and 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 the 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 marginalized society okay there is a base truth there of sorts but that's but they can sniff out the uh they can sniff out the the uh the shallowness of it i suppose mm-hmm. you would say
1: now it's kind um, of it's kind of disingenuine yeah disingenuine the right word? yeah mm-hmm Um, I Probably the most interesting take on this that I saw. It's kind of a lazy take because of what it is, which is a tweet and who it's from, which is uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York. She said, Something tells me Jesus would not spend millions of dollars on Super Bowl ads to make fascism look benign. Now, why do I bring that up? Because... (laughs) I think what this shows us, now mind you, AOC is, I think you could call her by most metrics, an extreme uh, version of the left, the political left, and the uh, ideological left. But I think what this does help to show us is that this idea of trying to meet people in the middle and trying to water down Jesus and make him appealing to the masses, yeah, the world's going to sniff that out. The world doesn't care the world has already made up its mind uh so if their minds is going to change it's going to change by the work of the holy spirit which is going to accompany the faithful proclamation of the gospel it's not going to be jesus is just like you and isn't that cool I think it would have been, for instance, much more effective if you're going to buy a minute of ad space for millions of dollars uh, on an event that desecrates the Lord's Day. But again, another another issue there. Maybe another discussion for another time. But if you were going to do that, spend a minute telling people how they are dead in their sins and how they are under the wrath of God and their only hope for deliverance is by the atoning work, uh, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, Uh um, without which they are bound for hell. Uh, You can say that in less than a minute. And yeah, you're going to get blowback from that. You'll get a lot of blowback from that. Probably even more blowback than he gets us gets. But at least the gospel is in it, and at least the word which is the power of God unto salvation Uh is presented. People might scoff at it and mock. And really, I mean, on their own, that's all they can do. But perhaps the spirit will use it. The spirit will illuminate the hearts of a few, just as, uh-huh. you know, when Paul went to the Areopagus in Athens, I mean, most of the people weren't buying what he was saying, and they laughed him out of the building. But there uh-huh. was a few who did believe that God yeah. gave it to them to believe.
2: Yeah, and I mean, and and, and being fair, we don't know if the, maybe the Lord did use for some people this as like a, a little, you know, like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe there is there would be a fruit in this campaign, even outside the Super Bowl. Uh, who knows? I mean, the Lord, the Lord though uh, does use the means of the preaching of the mm-hmm. of the word. That's bottom line. Uh, the word was not preached here, um, but we don't know what the Lord will nonetheless do. You know, in at least mm-hmm. maybe this leading someone to. Go and hear preaching, but it you know at, at the heart of the matter. And actually, this this article I was reading earlier from CNN actually has a subheader in it that says some critics say the campaign is not authentic.
1: <laughs> it's like,
2: yeah, there's there you go, you know, uh, like the, it's obvious. Um, the the uh, interestingly, this article even has uh, even quotes Kevin Kevin uh, de Young. Uh, I, I think actually, when maybe not, maybe it's not. They they uh, they have. Uh... Is it Kevin DeYoung Young or Kevin Young? No, it's because... Kevin Kevin Young. That's right. No, that is not very young. different. Very different person. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's very funny. So, anyways, uh, <laughs> Kevin not DeYoung, but Kevin just De Young. Uh, they, they they quote this. They quote him saying then uh, the campaign won't do much to assuage people's criticisms of the church because these young people are digital natives. And the the this bulk of it here is that they're they they can they are already concerned with uh, people who are leaving the church and turning back on Christianity or whatever. They think of Christianity as you know as hypocritical. Uh, they they think of it as uh, actually a quote here in this um, hypocritical, judgmental, discriminatory. Um, the problem is that we have to say that we we we. We can't just go and say like, oh no no no, we're just like you in this way. we have to say, well yes, we are hypocritical, judgmental and discriminatory we're people uh we're 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 sinners even albeit uh, albeit uh, redeemed sinners if you will it's it's we're in Christ and forgiven we do mess things up what is not hypocritical is the gospel which also tells you that you are hypocrites too mm-hmm you're also judgmental and discriminatory. There's no moral high ground here. All fall, uh, all have fallen short. Uh, uh, sorry, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's, it's, uh, none is righteous. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's. We, we need to hear that.
1: <laughs> right. We are. I mean, we are all under God's judgment. I mean, we. You know, people are so concerned about, oh, you can't judge me. You know, the one verse everybody knows now is Matthew 7-1. It used to be everybody <laughs> knew John 3-16. Now they all know Matthew 7-1 out of context. Judge not lest <laughs> you be judged, but you know, whatever, whatever you might think of me judging you or you judging me, at the end of the day, we're all under God's judgment. Mm-hmm. And that is the message that people need to hear. It's not uh, you're pretty cool and Jesus is like you. No, they need to hear uh, you are under God's judgment for your sin, um, and salvation is only through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, ha- have uh, we
1: have we beat up I on He gets us sufficiently?
2: Sure. And we we didn't we didn't hit on it as hard as I don't know about how others have really handled it. Again, this is a new topic to yeah. me, but in a new again, format, uh, it, yeah. Uh, you know, if if they would stick to various things, or the parent foundation would stick to, you know, helping and fighting against uh, against abortion and and you know LGBT stuff, great.
1: Just put like a minute of RC <laughs> Sproul on during the Super Bowl or
2: something like that. Or <laughs> we could just say we'll just say it just for fun of Paul Washer.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll yeah, ahead. play that clip of shocking youth shocking message youth. all pixelated and stuff. The video quality's not very With good. Put the pixelation on Indeed. that
2: huge, like, super expensive Super Bowl screen.
1: Yeah. I mean, that would be better than this, so.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway.
2: Well, at that point, that's how you know we're done.
1: Yeah, we <laughs> have jumped the shark. There's yeah. nowhere to go but down. So we thank you for joining us. For our first ever live once for all delivered uh it's been fun i think it's been enjoyable uh, if you mm-hmm. haven't subscribed to our youtube you could do that so you can uh catch future episodes um, we'll probably do this again at some point not right away we've got some pre-recorded podcast episodes so we'll be rolling those out in the weeks to come We're and caleb long. and i are still working on our respective ordination exams for the OPC and the URCNA, so we'd also covet your prayers in that. But we appreciate you joining us. Uh, you can, again, subscribe to our YouTube, follow us on social media at Podcast. You can email us, OFADpodcast at gmail.com if you have questions, comments,
2: complaints, and we... And also, this uh, this... Even though this is live streamed, uh, I can't remember if we posted on it. that This will be made available, um, and, uh, you know, to uh, on on our on the platform as well, so it can be listened to. Do go ahead and share it, you know, with others. Um, and also, you can subscribe to our YouTube for more. Uh, yeah, for for keeping up and seeing when we do this next uh, live stream. Yep.
1: So yeah. we Thank you again for joining us, and we hope you will join us again next time. That's Right. Bye. Bye. Pithy sign off phrase.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode. For the latest news and updates, visit our substack at onceforalldelivered.com, where you can also support our work with a paid subscription. You can also follow us on social media at OFAD Podcast. If you like what you have heard, Leave a five-star review where you get your podcasts and spread the word about the show. Once for All Delivered is hosted by Andrew Smith and Caleb Castro and produced by Andrew and Heidi Smith. A special thank you to our founding members, Eric and Kathy Hepker. We hope you will join us again next time on Once for All Delivered.